Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Minister Anthony Bonner of Truth Turn Up Ministry, coming to you live today on the podcast, just to continue to encourage, to empower, to enlighten all humanity during these perilous times that we find ourselves living in, times that are hard to bear, times that are confusing, times that that, uh, can be very frustrating and surely very challenging. We want to talk today about peace in the midst of the storm. Peace in the midst of the storm. Um, We're going to come out of Psalms 3 today and Psalm 1. We're going to combine them and talk about peace in the midst of the storm. Let us have a short prayer and then go right into the Word. Today is a deeper teaching, so it's going to be a little longer. We generally try and use wisdom in teaching God's people. Some days giving them a three to five minute uh, appetizer bit of Word to just draw their attention and establish them in the things of God that they may find hope, encouragement to come back and get another three to five minute teaching and eventually go on to a 10 to 15 minute teaching and prayerfully be able to sit through an hour teaching because apart from God, you can do nothing. Without his wisdom, you will be nothing. And without him fighting for you and being on your side, you shall accomplish nothing. It is really that simple. Unfortunately, the world has complicated and blinded us to this fact that we think we can live partially with God's favor or completely away from God, and there's nothing further from His truth. Maybe the world's truth, but His truth, it is a lie. Dear God, O Heavenly Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We ask that you bless the words that flow from within my being, O Heavenly Father, that they may flow into your children. And that you may open them up, O Heavenly Father, and give them light, give them wisdom, give them guidance, give them understanding, give them the courage, O Heavenly Father, to understand that there is indeed peace in the midst of the storm. That there are no storms that you're not aware of and that all is well. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace in the midst of the storm. You know, we want to start out in Psalm chapter 3, which is a psalm which is written by David when he was fleeing from his son Absalom, who wanted to take the kingdom out of his hand, who was greedy for ascension. He was greedy for power. He was greedy for his place in the royal family to the point that he was uh, willing to kill his own father and destroy him to be king, even though he had not been chosen or anointed to be king in Israel. This was the call that David had on his life. And as many of us, especially men, especially African-American men, but men in general, because all men are under attack of the devil, it's just that some men's attack seems to be a little bit more visible and a little bit more fierce for whatever reason that God has allowed. We don't get distracted by it. We just become more enlightened, more empowered to walk against the attacks, to resist the the, the attacks of, of the devil and uh, understand that God will fight on our behalf. David is fleeing from Absalom, but he's good because one thing David has learned that we all need to learn as men of God, especially those that are in God. Uh, is that our trouble brings God's help. It's just that simple. It is true. It is proven throughout the entire Bible. Our trouble brings God's help. Let's start with uh, verse 1 in chapter 3. It says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. When we look at this verse, we can put it in context today with all of the police shootings, all of the violence, all of the uh, disparities that happen, you know, the stimulus package went out, but yet minority businesses didn't get a portion of it. Or, you know, you look at the uh, unemployment rate, 
uh, people that are underserved and at-risk communities seem to be left out more than the haves or people who really don't need it or people who can go a little bit longer who have extra resources. You know, these are all realities, but they're also uh, inferior realities to the reality of the unmatched, uh, uh, undisturbed, unchanged, sovereign power of God. Whose report will you believe? Will you believe the divine report or will you get caught up in tribalities or small things uh, in the eyes of God, which men are attempting to do on the earth? They are nothing to God. They're like ants in his sight. He can step on them and squash them out at any time. Lord, how are they, they, how are they increased that trouble me? It says, many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. You know, when serving God, it can look like that he's absent. It can look like that he's not on your side. It can look like that he's silent and he's not moving. You begin to question God. How can you let that happen? How can there be a God and babies are dying or men are dying or women are dying or people are dying? The fact that things are happening and people are dying are just a part of life. They're a part of the evolution of things. They're a part of one era leaving, another era being ushered in, one kingdom being slowly destroyed and another kingdom coming into being. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, so we can't rationalize things. If we don't have a real deep, intimate, committed relationship with Jesus Christ, you will never understand the moves of God. You will never have peace in the midst of the storm that God is allowing because there is a method to the madness. God is doing something. You may not be in on what he's doing because your mind is somewhere else. Your heart is somewhere else. You can't be established in the things of God. You can't have the peace that surpasses all understanding unless you've invested in that peace. Unless you've committed to walk with him and allow him to impart that peace in you. It's not something you can get when the battle has started. It's something that you have that is given to you as a gift before the battle starts. Because you understand that he is your help. You know, understand he's a strong tower that the righteous run in and find safety, the Bible says. The Lord is a strong tower. Um, and it will seem like he's aborted you, but God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you are indeed in me and you are mine, then you will always know that I am yours without question. Verse 3 says, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. God is my shield. God is my glory, meaning my victory. And God is the lifter up of my head when I face all the things that are trying to keep my head bowed down. When I face the things that are trying to snatch my head from off my shoulders. When I face things that are trying to get me to lose my head and do things that are ungodly. That will further pull me away from the favor of God and further allow the enemy to be able to put his hands on me because I'm outside the will of God. You see, it's like a snowball. It barrels and barrels and balls and rolls out further out of control and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until the point where it consumes you and it destroys you and it overtakes you. And then you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you really give up because you've turned your eyes away from that which can deliver you, that which has delivered you, that which has secured you. David says in verse four, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. David could go to sleep in the midst of being on the run, in the midst of his life being threatened, in the midst of his friends and some of his former colleagues and former allies threatening him and accusing uh, him of being in, in not in, in, in the will of God, but outside the will of God. 
uh, saying that there is no help for him in God like God had turned on David. It was nothing further from the truth. David was exactly where God allowed him to be, just as you and I are, my brothers and sisters. If you're in a committed relationship with Jesus Christ and you're not walking toward your own understanding and you're not allowing the world to dictate your steps and what you should and should not do and who you should and should not be when the Bible has told us to be not conformed to the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to instruct you. I want to teach you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to show you what love is. I want to teach you how to forgive. I want to bring your tongue under control so that you don't always speak, that you will listen with your ears, that you will have contentment, contentment. I'm sorry, that you will have rest, that you will be able to sleep in the midst of all this because your sleep is a sign that you trust me. You're going to sleep is a sign that you know that all is well. You're going to sleep is a sign that you've taken the scriptures and you've put on the belt of truth. Romans 8 and 31, which tells you, um, and uh, God before us, who can be against us? And you know, Romans 8 and 28, that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. If you're in his purpose and you're in his will, then you're walking out his plan. His plan leads through Psalms 23, through the valley of the shadow of death. His plan leads to Goliath. You must face Goliath. His plan leads to the Red Sea, where you must stand there and stretch out the staff and have courage that he's going to open up the sea and take you across on dry ground and that the walls will not fall down. His plan leads to the lion's den, where you must have a testimony, as Daniel did, that God shut the lion's mouth in your life. And lastly, his plan will lead you to the fiery furnace like the three Hebrews man that you too may testify that there was a fourth man in the fire and he looked like the son of God. That your garments, excuse me, were not consumed. They did not smell of smoke and that you were delivered. But yet those who threw you in the fire shall be consumed by the heat of the fire even though they were not in the midst of the fire. We must go on and graduate to these great realities, these great precepts, these great scriptures, these great, this great doctrine that God has given us to skillfully live and skillfully be delivered from all of the tactics of the enemy that we find ourselves in in the world. We are not victims. We are victors, victors. Though we find ourselves in a storm, we can have peace in the midst of the storm. As the disciples who Jesus had sent to the other side and they rode right into a storm, and Jesus had sent them into the storm so that he could come walking toward them in the water. And the first thing he said to them, he said, be not afraid. It is I. Be of good cheer. Hallelujah. He's saying the same thing to you today who's listening to the sound of my voice. Be not afraid. It is I. Be of good cheer. All is well. Have peace in the midst of your storm. Our trouble brings God's help that you can lay down and sleep. Verse 6 says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Is this not our testimony right now, that we feel like thousands of people, that they have set themselves against me round about, that everybody is against me? And that is a great position to be in if you have the right mindset, if you have the right wisdom, and you've put your armor on, and you know how to use the tools because you've spent word, I mean time in the word, and, and, and in the will of God that he has taught you how to use the tools that it doesn't matter if there's tens and thousands of them. You have the one who can make all tens and thousands of them drop dead right now. You have the one who can make all tens and thousands of them change their mind. You have the one that can make all tens of thousands of them simply forget that they even have an aunt with you 
because that's your right. That's your blood bought right when you're in him. That, that That's something, that's one of the privileges that you get when you come in right standing with him, that God will subdue all of your enemies, that God will give you favor with God and man, that people who don't like you, that God can change their hearts to be good to you. That's why the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Are you righteous? Are you in right standing with God? Or are you angry? Are you upset? Are you trying to take something that God has given you which is yours, but you're getting it in the wrong manner. Or you're walking in the paths of the ungodly, you see. Because when you get over into uh, the next psalm, which we'll briefly look at here in a second, it'll talk about that. Verse 7 says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone that has broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Look at that. David ends this psalm by saying, Arise, O Lord, save me. Oh, my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies. God will take care of your business. If you're taking care of God's business, he'll take care of your business. This is not religion. This is not simply doctrine. This is a reality. This is a testimony. I am a witness to this. You see, and we need more witnesses who will stand boldly in the face of opposition, even though the world wants to burn stuff down and chop heads off and, and do all kind of other things. I prefer to turn it all over to God because his wisdom surpasses mine by generations, by ages. He's the creator and I am the creation. I have no idea the scope to which he can touch my enemies and stretch them, destroy them, or develop them. I do not know his end time plan. I do not even know his current plan except for me to rest in him, to trust him, to not doubt him to cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me, to utilize every scripture in the word in my warfare because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down all imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're required to do. That's what we've been equipped to do. In uh, Psalms chapter 1, let's look at this as we bring this um, podcast to a close here. Just again, continue to talk about peace in the midst of the storm, how our trouble brings God's help if we've been established in it. His grace can sometimes help you because that's just common grace that is given to all men. But I want to talk about costly grace. His costly grace will always help me if I'm in a committed relationship with him. Then God's going to come to my rescue every time. But if I'm just playing with him and I'm in and out of it and I don't really love him and I'm living, doing anything I want to do, being as big, as bad as I want to be or what the world tell tell me I can be or what I think I can be, then I'm going to get his common grace, which will show up sometimes, you see, because I'm sowing some things that I must reap the benefit from. If I'm sowing evil, if I'm sowing wickedness, if I'm sowing ungodliness, then I'm going to reap the fruit of those actions. But when I'm in my right mind and I love God and I understand how much he loves me, I'm going to be walking in righteousness, sowing righteous seed, reaping righteous fruit that the enemy cannot touch because I'm no longer on his team. I have been released from his grip. I can identify him. I know that he means me no good. John 10 and 10, that the enemy or the thief comes only to kill steal 
and destroy. So when I know that I no longer want to serve him, I no longer want to have anything to do with him. I don't want to be connected with him. I don't want to fellowship with him. I don't want to be around him because he means me no good. He means my family no good. He means my finances no good. And he means my future no good. He wants to destroy everything. about. He wants me to lose on the same scale that he lost when he was kicked out of heaven for pride and disassociated himself with the will of God and did not want to allow God to be God. He wanted to be as God. You see, and I don't want anything to do with that. And you got to make up your mind in the same manner. Psalm chapter one, we'll read three or four verses, verses here and I will let you go, I promise. But this is the place that we want to be. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That is very clear to me. I am blessed if I avoid these people. I don't walk in the way of the ungodly. The ungodly is anybody who does not profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They do not acknowledge his love, his power, his, trans his, his transformative power, and his grace and his mercy and his ability to be good to us even when we have not been good to him his ability to be faithful to us even when we have not been faithful to him him sending his only begotten son to die on our behalf him to reconcile us back into right standing with him him when we continue to be rebellious and refuse to submit to his order to his will to his way this is god blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. This man, this woman has fallen back in love with God. They see through a different lens. They understand that it was his grace and his mercy that saved them from the fiery furnace, from eternal damnation to hell, from eternal separation from him. That God has made himself available and given us salvation that is present, and it is also future, and it was also in our past, bringing us into our present so we walk with him. We meditate in, his, in the law of the Lord. In his law do it. We meditate day and night. Notice it didn't say we try and keep the law because we cannot. Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law for those who love him and who will get in Christ Jesus. But we meditate in it so that we're aware of it. So the Bible says, thy law or thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Knowing his law, knowing his word knows what he expects of us. What is and is not allowed, what is, you know, what, what, what parameters, what boundaries we must operate in. Though we're free and we have liberty, we do not uh, take advantage of that liberty and exercise it in manners and in means that do not glorify our Lord, our Savior, and our King that does not help us to, to, to attract the, 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 the blessing and the favor of God over our life. You understand? In verse 3 it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, this is freedom from the system. This is God's sovereignty that when I'm in right standing with him and I abandon these other paths, the paths of the ungodly, the paths of the sinner, the path of the scornful who are always talking about things that don't matter, then I can hear God's voice. I, I can be uh, uh, transformed by the renewing of my mind. The Holy Spirit can begin to work from the inside out and give me witty ideas and inventions. It can begin to give me courage to follow God and to believe God. It can begin to order my steps and lead me toward people and toward doors that God has assigned to prosper me and bless me so that I can come out of the system so that I don't have to cry about injustice. I don't have to cry about unfairness. I don't have to cry about economic disparity. I don't have to cry about racism and those things because they're still going to exist, but it won't be my testimony because now I've allowed God to come in and walk with me, to lead me, to guide me, to place his hands on me. 
that the potter can now reshape the clay into a vessel that is pleasing unto him. This is where we find ourselves in this day and this hour, my brothers and my sisters. Yes, we're in the midst of a mighty storm. But yes, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. When you have trouble, God wants to come to your rescue. He wants to help you. That's how he's glorified. That's why he redeemed you. That's why he reconciled you. That's why he restored you to that place that he had originally created for Adam. This is not a game. This is reality. But we can keep going round and round the mountain. We can keep trying new means. We can keep trying new systems. We can keep trying all kind of other things. But they will not work. The only thing that's going to work is the plan that God has set forth, the love that God has sent forth. And it is ours. We have a choice. We have a chance to rise above this. We have a chance to walk through the fire and yet not be burned and not be consumed. We have a chance to glorify God in this generation in a manner in which he's never been glorified before because the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few, people are looking for answers, the world is studied throwing out answers that are wrong answers, they continue to flunk the quiz, they continue to head toward the cliff to jump off head first, thinking that they are going to fly, but my brothers and my sisters, let us not be fooled, let us receive all that the blood of Jesus has given us, and that is victory, not sometimes, but all times. Second Corinthians 9 and 8. For God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you have sufficiency in all things, and may abound unto all or every good work. God's grace abounding towards you in all things, that you have sufficiency in all things. Hallelujah. You were created to win. Now act like you win. And do what winners do. In Jesus' name, amen.